while some of you were watching maybe your team play or whatever uh, yesterday evening. I told Bethany about 5.30, 6 o'clock, uh, which would have been one of the games that I would have wanted to watch that was coming on. I said, I have got to go uh, into my room and I have got to do some praying because what I feel like I was going to preach, I, I think I need to go another direction. So this morning I want to bring to you that message and I want to you to open your heart. This may sound teaching to you if you like for me to just preach flat out well I can do that another Sunday I may preach some this morning this may again be more teachy than it is preachy but I think it's no I know that it's very important this morning uh, life today I, let me just share this with you is more than just waking up each morning as a believer and surviving but yet I realize that in the world in the church world that a lot of people in the church are just waking up and surviving. They're just going from one day to the next. And we're about to go into a brand new year. And God has called each one of you, not just me, not just those singing, not just those worshiping, not just those running a, uh, you know, on our production team, but He has called each of us to a purpose and for a purpose. Are you with me? And he's doing that in a very personal way. And I believe that part of what you hear on our 411 is that we want you to know God, which means that we want you to have a relationship with God. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you can come to this church every Sunday, uh, every Sunday this, month, uh, this year or the next year, and you should as many times as you can, come on every Wednesday that you can, but all of that, culminated together will not get you to heaven if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't have a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to you? You, you can come and even give your time, but you've got to have a relationship with Him. And, and once you know God, we, we believe here that the second step, we believe there are always steps. And Pastor Tegan and Pastor Ted and I and some of the other leaders are going to really, you're going to really start hearing us talk about going in, what's the next step? What is it that you're doing? What do you need to do next? We believe that the next step, and this is where a lot of people get caught up and believe there's no, there's no hope for them, and that is finding freedom. I'm telling you, in church, there are people who are bound that need to be set free. You say, Pastor, that sounds really spiritual. It's really, that, that almost scares me. I think I'd just rather hear something kind of not so spiritual. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible teaches us that there are spiritual principalities. There are powers. There are things in high places. In other words, that we may not always understand, but that are at work in your life. If you're not careful, you will allow those things to over take you. So God wants you to be free. Somebody say, He wants me to be free. He wants you to be free. That's the second step. And, and we believe that finding freedom, one of the greatest uh, plans of that, or one of the greatest programs, if you want to call it a program, is our small groups, our house to house. It is a part of that. Your young people need to be involved in a small group. You need to be involved in a small group. You need to be involved in everything that you possibly can be involved in. Keeping your kids away, keeping your, you're not doing them any justice. You're not helping them. Well, I don't want them to be around some other kids. So you'd rather ha them hang out with the kids that aren't even trying to live right 
and do right and keeping them away from a place where we're really wanting to try to put the word of God in them and to teach them. And you might think they tell you everything, but I got news for you after spending years and years youth pastoring long before I ever pastored. They will come closer to telling that man, that woman right there, what they're dealing with, some of them seriously dealing with, than they ever will you as a parent. I don't care how close you think you are. It's true. And I didn't mean to get into all of that, but I just want you to know that's part of that journey is finding freedom. They need to find freedom. They need to discover their purpose, which is the third thing that we really believe is that you are not just here for a church chair. You're here for some type of purpose. But before you move into your purpose, you have got to settle what's been going on in your life yesterday. Are you with me? You've got to, you've got to find freedom. And of course, lastly on this journey, the fourth thing, and you're going to hear this and you've heard it so many times in our announcements, and that is that you make a difference. Now I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, and read to you verses 3 through 5, and then we're going to pray and then we're going to get into the meat of this word. And this is, it'll be on the screens here, and then it, of course you can look it up on your, in your Bibles or your tablet or your iPad or whatever. It says this, for though we walk in the flesh, somebody say we, we, we're in the flesh. Your, your body, this body, is flesh. The war that we have, I'm going to break this down a little bit because you've read it, you've heard it, many of you can quote it. Though we walk through the flesh, we do not war. We're in a spiritual warfare. You may not know that, you may not understand that, you may not even agree with that, but we are in a spiritual warfare not according to the flesh. In other words, there's nothing you can do to really battle it within your own self. There's only some, th there's some things that you can do. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not necessarily fleshly. They're not necessarily a, 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 a physical thing. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. I'm going to use that word stronghold and I'm going to give you some maybe synonyms for that word. One of those words would be, uh, uh, would be I would call it a lie because a stronghold is a lie that's been built up in your life. Casting down arguments and every high thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God, what God has said is truth about you, the enemy has used other things he has built into your life, he has told you, he has whispered into your ears that are truth that God has not called truth. Casting down arguments, everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God or the truth of God, bringing every thought, not one thought, not two thoughts, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Do you know what he just said? Taking the thoughts that you have and running them through the cross. What does the word say about my thought life? What does the word say about what the enemy has whispered in my ear? What is what is what has Jesus said about what Facebook has said about me and what I'm believing about me? What what is what is God's word said about what's going on in the news? All of these things are important, and the Bible says that we must bring them into captivity to obey Christ. Father, we ask you now 
to help us to lean in for the next few moments to hear your word, to receive it, Lord, that it might change our hearts, that we might, Lord, leave here knowing that, God, you wanted to do something great in us, and, Lord, that has not changed since the day we gave our hearts to you. We ask you now for strength and wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen and amen. I want to say that this message is not geared to the lost. It's geared to the church. It's geared to us that are here. And I'm not saying that the lost person can't be found here. I believe that God's Word can do anything. I'm just telling you that this Word is geared more toward the church. Because most Christians are free from 90 plus percent of the things that they deal with. But I am finding more often than not that most Christians, not some, not half, not part, but I'm going to say most Christians still deal with at least one area in their life that they have never been free of. They've never gotten loose from. They have never let go of. And I know that this isn't a shouting, running across the aisles and jumping up and down message, but it's truth. It's truth. They have never gotten free from that one thing. And that one thing could be that your emotions are always crazy. That relationships in your life are, are, are ones coming and ones going. You're addicted to something. You've got a habit that you've never been able to let go of. It could be your spending is out of control. The bottom line is that this year... You may be in a place, you may be seeing something in your life that you have not been able to break free of and you have thought about if I could just be free from that in 2019, man, that would be wonderful. That would be great in my life. Well, verse 3 says that you've got to destroy every high thing that exalts itself up against God's truth about you. The Bible says that he that the Son sets free is free indeed. That's truth. Are you with me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? But many times we believe or we have never we don't we don't believe that what God has said about us maybe in 90% of our life that we are free, but in the other 10 we're not. God has a truth about you. I believe that many have not experienced yet. There's something yet that God wants to do in your life. Matter of fact, some of you have entertained the thought that if you could just get free this year or you could get free of it and go into 2019 free. And many times before February ever rolls around, you're right back where you were again. They say, and I'm not going to get into all the statistics, that by the time that, that uh, Girl Scout cookies come out, uh, which is, I don't know, sometime in February, maybe uh, end of January, that most people that made a resolution to lose weight have totally forgotten that resolution. God sees you the way you are, and He sees you the way that He, he knows you can be, not the way that you think you are. A lot of times we believe, in other words, God sees you in a way that you don't necessarily see yourself. He sees you free. He, he wants you free. He, his desire for you is to live free and to pull down 
every stronghold. So how do we experience this truth? The Bible says by taking every thought, making them captive to the obedience to what God's Word has already declared. How do we determine in a world that we're living in whether it's truth or a lie? We've got to run it past the cross. You have to take it to the Word. You have to read the Word. When you get your nose in books and on the internet and everywhere else and you've never passed it through the Word, you can be confused and confounded and even discouraged and distraught, depressed and oppressed but when you run it through the cross when you take it past the cross you see what God's word declares about you and what God's word declares about me so what is a stronghold one definition of a stronghold is a prisoner locked by deception you believe something that is not true a stronghold is anything that makes you feel like it has power but in reality is only a deception because you think it has more power than it actually has give you an example I heard this many years ago most of you probably know it when a circus would take an elephant in new they would take and put a chain on one foot maybe and they would pin it to a peg in the ground and that chain, or they would put it to, to a ring in the ground, and they would put that elephant there, and the elephant would pull on it. But he would soon learn that he could not go anywhere because he has a chain hooked to one of his legs. They will allow that elephant to go for some time, but as time goes along, they can actually remove that chain and put simply a small rope that he easily could snap. Listen to me. He could easily break free from, but because he believes in his mind that he is bound, that he has this stronghold of a chain, he will stay there, chain, or he will stay tied there. Strongholds in your life, listen to this, can make you live your life in a lie because you believe something that isn't true about you. God's word says truth about you. The truth is there are some of you that are here that you could break free, but you don't believe that. You, you don't believe that you can. You've been saved. You gave your heart to the Lord. But there's a stronghold in your mind that is keeping you from living free. I come by to declare today that you can be free. That you can live free. That if Jesus promised it, if God said it, then that is the truth. And the lie is the enemy wants to keep, keep you down. Listen to this. Anything in your mind pretending. If you look this verse up where we read earlier, it talks about pretensions. That word pretensions means pretending. To be bigger or more powerful than God is a pretension or something pretending to be bigger than God set up by the enemy. Why? He wants to keep you bound. I've known people that I knew Listen to me, everybody looking this way. I knew people that were bound that were only a few steps, a few days from total freedom that lost everything because they believed the deception that the enemy said you can't ever have freedom. You'll always struggle with this drug. You'll always struggle with this sexual appetite. You will always struggle with this mental disorder. You will always struggle with these things. Can I tell you something? I still believe in a God who says, amen, if I set you free, you're free indeed. You're free indeed. You're, we need to live like we're free indeed. 
We need to live, but a lot of it comes down to what we believe in our mind. The strongholds that we've set up or the enemy has used to set up in our mind. Remember, the devil has power and he has authority. But I'm going to tell you this, that Jesus, the Bible says, has all authority. And he has given that authority to the believer. And if he's given the authority to the believer, then he cannot have a stronghold over my life. Listen to this. Unless I allow him to have that authority. But when I stand up in the face of the enemy and say, I'm not going to listen to your lies. I'm going to run that past the cross. The cross says that's a lie about me. It's not truth. I am a believer. I am a Christian. I am a child of God. Devil, you are lying. Amen. Come on, somebody. But look at this. When you buy into those lies, Satan continues, that he continues to tell you over and over again, what you do is you give authority that he doesn't really have. Some of you have dealt with insecurities all of your life. That nobody liked you. That you weren't good enough. That you couldn't do the things that you wanted to do. You've dealt with the insecurity. The fact that maybe your mother put upon you. Your dad put upon you. Or maybe even a husband or a wife put upon you. Can I tell you something today? That those insecurities need to be broken. Because they are strongholds built up in your mind. I'm here to tell you that God's grace is sufficient. It's more than enough. And Jesus is enough in my life. He is the one who created me. is the one that made me. I don't get my identity by who my daddy was or my mama was or what they did. I get my identity through Christ Jesus. I am a blood-bought believer, not bound by anything the enemy would put upon me. Amen. Amen. So how do I know, pastor, that I am dealing with a stronghold? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you just some simple things here. And some of you are going to do what I did and it's really going to strike you. You're going to recognize this. How do I know as a believer? Remember, we're talking to believers now. How do I know that I'm dealing with a stronghold? Well, there are some symptoms that go along with this. And one of those symptoms of a stronghold is this, is that you cannot focus. Strongholds keep you distracted. That you try to think as hard as you can and concentrate, but you can't focus because your mind is consumed by other things. Listen to this. A stronghold, one of its symptoms is you cannot focus. Secondly, a stronghold can make you feel controlled. What do you mean it makes you feel controlled? What it does, it actually steals your true identity of who you are. I'll give you an example. If you you say, well, I've, I've got an alcohol, instead of saying that I've had an alcohol problem, you say I'm an alcoholic, you begin to believe that you are, that becomes your identity. I am an alcoholic. I am a drug addict. I'm a, a, a porn, whatever. I, you, you take that as your identity. So a stronghold takes or steals your identity by controlling you It makes you believe that. My dad was mean, he was angry, so I'll be mean and I'll be angry. That is a symptom of a stronghold. Thirdly, strongholds will consume you emotionally. It'll take the energy and the life out of you. It'll make you feel hopeless. It'll make you feel depressed. It'll make you feel drained. Why? Because we have bought into the lie that this is the way things are and there is no way out. I just want you to know that Jesus Christ, as long as you're sucking 
there. There is hope in your life. There is no, there's no reason to believe that the enemy could have it any other way. God wants you to be li- to, for you to live. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred. In other words, when there is no hope, it makes the heart sick. But when the desires come, comes, it is the tree of life. In other words, when there is no hope. Somebody said this thing about Jesus, that's a bunch of, that's a crutch. That's a false hope. I got news for you. That's good gospel news. That is the only hope. That is biblical hope. Hope that Jesus Christ is alive. That he does give freedom. Amen. And fourthly, these are symptoms of strongholds. I've given them to you quick. That strongholds will distract you from your purpose in life. I'm going to say something very strong here. Everybody looking this way. I know I'm trying to teach. I am preaching some, but hear what I'm about to tell you. For years in this church, I have stood and said this thing. My goal in life was to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. Don't you want to go to heaven? I have come to grip for the fact that the devil is okay if I go to heaven. Bam, somebody went, Pastor, really? You think the devil's okay with that? Pastor Ted, I've come to the grips that the devil's okay if I go to heaven. But he is not okay if I take somebody else with me. Oh, hear what I'm about to tell you. I believe it's true. In other words, he's all right if I make it. But if he can distract me from my purpose, if he can make me believe that I'm not what I ought to be, if he can tell me you're not a blood-bought believer, you're not a Christian, you're just a lost case, a lost hope in this world, and you will never make a difference. Can I tell you? It's all right if you go to heaven. He just does not want you to take anybody else with him. He wants to distract you from your purpose. If you you want to know if the devil is building a stronghold case against you? Hear this. If he is distracting you, that's one of the ways you'll know it. He's trying to keep you from the purpose of God in your life. You have purpose. You need to say, I have purpose. God has created purpose in me. But he wants to keep you drained. He wants to keep you pulled down. He wants to keep you from making a difference. One of the reasons that I come in here week after week after week, Pastor Tegan, it, it isn't about the money any longer. It isn't about the, uh, the benefits. And if some of you think that that's all great and all that it is, just sit down with me and my wife sometime and have a conversation. God's took care of it. He has blessed us. But at almost 50 years old, I start looking and thinking about other things because the enemy sometimes will show you where you might would have been better if you would have made this choice. But I'm going to tell you that you, if you're not careful, you'll get distracted about what could have been instead of what God's wanting to do in you. And it's dangerous to get to that point because you're comparing yourself. God wants me to make a difference. One of the reasons that I keep coming here every Sunday, one of the reasons that we teach to you and preach to you and love you and do small groups is not for the fact that we need to figure out something else to do. It's because we want to make a difference in your life. Why? Does the enemy want to distract me? I'll tell you why. Why does the enemy want to build a stronghold? So he can rob you of, listen to this, abundant life. John 10 and 10, the Bible teaches us, we most of us know this, that the thief comes, but what does he come for? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that, don't we? 
But look at what we, what we a lot of times leave out. We leave out the part that Jesus said, words in red in my Bible, I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. And I just am to the believing right now that there are people in the church who actually have lost hope that God has given them abundant life. Listen to me. If you live below the level of abundant life, then what Jesus died for and what Jesus bled for, amen, I'm going to tell you, you are settling for less than what God has for you. He bled and died so that you could have not just surviving, not just survive. I just hope I get through 2019, if I can just get the kids to behave. If he can, if husband can make more money, if we can get something settled, if I can get the ex-wife off my back. Ex, listen to me. God does not want you to just settle for those things in your life. He wants you to have abundant life and life more abundantly. Amen. Don't just don't just settle for less. So how do we overcome strongholds? I'm gonna give you about three things here. Real quickly, I got just a few minutes. Jesus gave a plan of action. Luke 11, 21 through 22. Listen to this. I used this scripture not long ago, about a year or two ago, in one of the messages I preached. I also used it this year out of Matthew's gospel where it, it talks it a little bit differently. But I want to share it with you, this scripture. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own place, his goods are at peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him. When, when somebody that is stronger than him comes in he, and overcomes him, he, can, he takes from him all the armor which he has entrusted and divides his spoils. Now listen to me. The only thing that we read in the scriptures from where we started, where we originally began, that the Bible tells us there in one place that we need to do is to take our thoughts captive. Listen to this. The first thing we have got to do in our life, if we're just living and or we're just surviving and not really living, is you have got to take your thought life back from the enemy. You've got to guard it and take your mind back. Most of the battles that we fight are not physical, they are spiritual. And most of it comes from up here. Well, they don't like me. They don't, they, they think less of me. They, you know, they didn't text me right back. They didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't buy me anything for Christmas. I don't know, but I know that if you don't take your thought life back and guard your mind, the enemy will start using those things. And the next thing you know, you're, you're slipping and you're sliding. You're not in church like you should be. You're not coming like you should. You're just, you're kind of in, but you're not really in. You, you're not really out, but you're not really in. You're not committed. You're not all in anymore. And the great thing about the new year is this. And I've prayed and uh, Pastor Tegan and I talked about it this morning about choosing to do some type of fasting. And I, I'm not saying this to put a feather in my cap. Whether you do or not, I will. Well, I can't, Pastor, because I can't, I can't fast food because of a health issue. Well, all of us could fast a little sweets now and then. Wouldn't hurt none of us. Uh, I, I can't fast 
food, which I understand that I'm not saying, I'm just, when we think of fasting, we think about food, and sometimes for dietary reasons and health reasons, it don't allow us to do all of that. But fasting allows you, look at this, to clear your mind. There's a man that comes here to church, and I'm not just for the sake of us recording it going to say it, but we were having 21 days of prayer. Pastor Tegan was showing up around 5.30 and opening the doors and making sure it was warm and there would be maybe five or six of us that would come and pray. And I understand people's got kids, you've got school, you've got things to do, more important things to sleep. You know, you want to do those things. We started into that fast, and it's three weeks, it's 21 days. And we got about a week into it, to a week and a half. And he came to me and he said, Pastor, I was on drugs for a long time. I did this in my life, I did that. He said, but taking away meat, bread, and sweets out of my life, is almost as bad as having withdrawals off of drugs. Because we allow that to become something in our life that we, we don't, we just, you know, when we want to eat, we eat. And we don't really think about consciously flipping the plate over and saying, you know, today I'm going to fast or this meal I'm going to fast. And, and last year I made a decision that, it was a good one, too, that for those 21 days, I would fast social media. I'm going to disappear off of social media. It's just going to be that thing. I may disappear completely off of social media. I just, I just, it's one of those things. One of the things that I decided even after I came back and somewhat have broken that because this is what we do was that for the first hour of, of your morning is that you don't pick that phone up or you don't go on to a social media site or whatever, because it has become one of those things that we do. You will, if you don't do nothing else, you, don't, you won't work in the church, but you'll be on Facebook and tell us you don't have time. You can keep up all of this stuff on, on social media, but you don't have time to teach a class or to clean a kitchen or to help with a bathroom or to do it. Listen to me. We need to step back and recognize what's important in our life. I'm not telling you that social media is wrong. I'm not telling you that it's bad. I'm telling you that it can become a distraction in your life. And once you start clearing your mind of it, once you start clearing your mind of the news, once you start clearing your mind of a lot of that stuff, you will recognize how much better you feel and how much life is in you. And you're not listening to a lot of the things you listen to on the radio station. Flip it off of the country station for a little while or whatever you're, and put it on Caleb or put it on a, a worship something and do that for about three weeks. And if you don't feel more life and less death, I'll buy your lunch after the fast. That's good preaching. Listen to this. There's a life principle. Be cautious of what you put in your mind the first hour of your day. If the first belongs to the Lord, then the things you put in your mind, very first, belong to God too. You cannot win against the enemy that's speaking lies unless you choose to silence that enemy. Notice that one command that was given in 2 Corinthians 5. We won't go back to it, but it is to bring those thoughts captive. You're, you've got to get your thought mind back. Romans 8, 5, and 6. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, look at this, what do they do? They think about sinful things. Okay, Pastor, I don't sit around thinking about sinful things. You get on Facebook and there's that one thing that you just, it, you get on TV and there's that one thing. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. 
people have gotten to the place you can't baptize them hardly without their cell phone anymore. I'm telling you the truth. Can I keep my cell phone? Yeah, absolutely. Showering. Got their phone. You think I'm being silly with you, but people have gotten to that place in their life. We, we have become acceptant, but the Bible says that we also, if we're not careful and we don't clear ourselves of certain things, then sinful thoughts start dominating our mind. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think on those things that please the Spirit. So letting the sinful nature control your mind leads to death, not physical death, spiritual death. That's why you go back to those symptoms that I mentioned to you earlier. That's how you know. That's how you know. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You will never change your life and have peace until you change what you're thinking about. If, if you do nothing else in the new year, I challenge you to get more of God's Word into your life and get some things out of your life. Some of you are going to have to cut some friends off. They call you friends, you call them friends. Young people, that may be you. I'm not looking, I'm just telling you. It may be some friends in your life, you need to, get, you need to cut them off. Because they're not really your friends anyway. Come on, somebody. And I dare you for the next three weeks, listen to songs that honor God. See if you don't have more life and have more peace. Look at this, and I've said this before, but it's worth... Remember, you will go tomorrow where your thoughts take you today. Secondly, look at this. I'm not going to spend a long time here. I may even come back and preach some on this. The second thing that we need to do if we're going to come and pull or get these strongholds down is we have got to identify what the stronghold is in our life. Identify the strongholds in your life. Whatever the area in your life that the enemy is lying to you, it's the stronghold that you need to identify. What is it that you can't let go of? One guy said it has more of a hold on you than you have a hold on it. Addictions. Sexual sins. We, you see, we don't like to talk about that in church. It's almost a taboo thing, but we're at a place we better talk about it. Because your kids are dealing with it. They're going through it. We know they are. And you've got your head buried in the sand if you don't think your kid is dealing with stuff. It's not like it was when your grandparents or your parents in the 50s were in the back seat of a Chevrolet. They, they deal with more problems in the lunchroom or on the hallways in some other kid's bedroom with a, with a cell phone and an iPad than your grandparents or your parents ever did in the back seat of a Chevrolet. And so we don't want to really talk about it or address it, but it's a reality. Everything we touch accesses the Internet. I got one of those things for Christmas. It's, it's called a dot. You might know what a dot is. Alexa. And Alexa and I try to be friends, but it doesn't understand country lingo. And I get more frustrated dealing with that $20 deal 
than anything else and sometimes want to take it and pitch it in the yard because I don't sometimes, you know, it was one of those things that you, you tell it, you know, to play music and you tell it this kind of thing and, and the thing I got has a plug in so you could put it and you could tell it to turn on the Christmas tree. What is so hard about turning on the Christmas tree? But if you're from East Tennessee and Alexa was trained somewhere else, you may end up with trouble. Everything we touch has access to the internet and it has become somewhat of a problem. But I want to tell you, I don't care what the enemy has told you. I don't care what somebody else has said to you. There is no problem too big for the God that I serve. John 8 and 44 teaches that Satan is the father of lies. That when he speaks, he is speaking his native language. His native language is lies. And we've got to expose the lies in order to defeat the enemy. If God is going to hear you uh, speak, you ought to speak and believe right now. You ought, to talk about, you ought to talk about what your future is going to be like. So let's settle yesterday so that we can think about your future. Let's go ahead and do that in the church. Let's, let's, let's realize that God's got a plan, and the plan is very good. I believe that God can do more in your latter years than He did even in your former years, your younger years. One of the things the enemy used against me for so long was, I'll take you, you're, you're, gonna, you're, you're getting at, you're at that midlife time, and I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and just, you're, you're going to have to deal with all these problems, but I will take you out. I will destroy you. I'll do the very things that you've seen in other people's lives. I'll do it to you. But you've got to find where the Word of God teaches that God is for you. He's not against you. That He wants you to have life. And that He wants you to have it more abundantly. You need to read over in the book of Job where the Bible says that God blessed Job. He gave him doubles for his troubles. That He gave him a long life. He gave him more than he ever had to begin with. You've got to stand on those words and speak His truth. I'll say it again. If you're sucking in air, there's hope. Thirdly, look at this. You've got to replace the lie with God's truth. Romans 12 and 2. The Bible says, don't copy the behaviors or the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing what? The way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. I want to know what God's will is for my life. Which is what? It, it's good it, and it's pleasing and it's perfect. It doesn't mean that your life is perfect. It means that God's will for your life is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's a good God. That's a good God. But you've got to understand that whatever thoughts you choose to feed will thrive in your life and whatever thoughts you starve will die. So what do I need to do? I, I got to go to his word. That's how you take your thought life back. You got to replace the lies the enemy has told you with the truth of what God's word said about you. The Bible's not like any other book. I have a friend, and I'm going to say this, that will tell you, he says that the Christian bookstore is one of the worst things that ever happened to the church. Now he's not being ugly, he's a great man. I love him, think the world of him. But he believes that the Bible is the truth and that every other book that's been written is either a truth or a lie from it. And some things that are written aren't lifting, aren't helping, 
They're hurting more than they're helping, and that's why he says that. But I'm here to say to you that the Bible, let's look at it, is not like any other book. Why? The Bible says, or the Bible teaches us that it's living, it's breathing, it, it has power to change or to help you change the way you think. Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper, it's the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and the marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. It knows you. If you'll let the Bible read you, it will show you the truth. It will judge between the innermost thoughts and the desires. It will get up into your life. Don't just read the Bible, but let it read you. Come on, somebody. This is replacing the lies that the devil is speaking to you and thinking what God says about you. This is it. I'm, this is the last thing. The fourth thing. I, I started to stop at three, but I'm going to give you this last one because I believe that I could show you scripturally and we'll have to go into this maybe at another date and share a little bit more about this. But you need to find, you don't need to just read the word, but you need to find a place and have a place of personal prayer. We know we need to pray. But you need to find, you need to have an intentional place, a time and a place that you turn down the volume of the world and that you focus on God. I, I've heard a lot of different things. Well, I, I pray when I go to work, when I'm driving. I've I've heard a lot of different stories. You know, when I'm in the shower, I pray. I've heard a lot. But I, I really, to be honest with you, I do those things too. But there's a lot of distractions even in that, that time. You know, driving down the road could be a lot of distractions right now. But just going and putting away everything, all the electronics. If you, if you can't reach me, you know, you might try my wife. But there are times that I just... I, I'll say, where is my phone? It's not really that it's lost. It's that I've put it down somewhere before I intentionally wanted to go and really just spend some time alone. I didn't need that. I don't need the iPad. I don't need a television. I don't need Alexa. I need to get in tune with God. When God wants you to pray, you say, well, I don't know how. Listen to this. God would rather you speak a few sentences on a daily basis than to say nothing at all. I have younger people and even people that come into church they are young Christians say, Pastor, how do you learn to pray? And I don't really think that I'm that good of a prayer person. And when I say that, I'm not eloquent. I hear I have a friend, Bethany knows who I'm talking about, we won't call the name. But when this guy prays, I am like, dude, I mean, you sound like a, I mean, a poet, and you don't even know it. And not that he makes every line rhyme, but that it all flows fluidly, that when he's done, I'm like, wow. That prayer just, I mean, it feels good. I know God got that. When I pray, I'm like, I'm over here, over here, over here. I don't say the right words. I, I don't know sometimes what to say, but let me, let me just say this to you. One of those symptoms of that, of, of stronghold, because you are distracted, hear this. When you start focusing on yourself and your situation, 
more than you do somebody else. In other words, when you go into your prayer closet and you take your list to God, your laundry list to God about what's going on in your life and your problems, you know what? That's a distraction from the enemy. That's something the enemy wants to use because he wants you to focus on you, your problems, what's going on in your life instead of somebody else. So I feel like that sometimes my prayer life is like, it's like scattered like that. I've tried everything. I'll kneel at the bed. I sit in the recliner. I've stood. I walk. Walking's usually what I do. And I'll pray. And then there's sometimes I just pray the word. What my point of all of this is as we close this thing out is that God would rather hear you say a few words. So how do you talk to God? Just like I talk to you. God does not speak King James. He does not speak New Living Translation. He understands me because he created me. He knows my language just as much as he does a guy over in Korea, just as much as he does a person in another country with their language, Japan, China, wherever they are, he understands me. And when I speak, he understands my words. Most of the time we start out with a laundry list instead of a praise report. Lord, I'd, I'd like to thank you today that you gave me breath. That I got out of the bed, God. Lord, that today my, my children are healthy. Today I've got my own health. Today my, my husband's he's got a job to go to. It may not be everything he wants, but thank you, Lord. An attitude of gratitude. Listen, if your gratitude is gone, you, you'll become entitled. God, I don't know why things are this way. I think you should have given me a better job. There's a difference in the way we pray. Look at this. Why, why, would, why do we need to pray like this? And we, I want them to get something kind of to, uh, something to uh, sh musically, and, and when you bring it up, just bring it up kind of low there. Isaiah 26 and 3 says this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you I, I need peace and I don't need just some peace but I need perfect peace intentional prayer that's the time that I can offload on God what's going on in my life and acknowledge there are some things I can't do on my own cast my cares on him give him thanks give him gratitude because there is peace to all those whose thoughts are fixed on the Lord. Philippians 4 and 8, many of y'all read this over and over again. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one thing, one final thing, Paul said this, fix your thoughts on what's true, what's honorable, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Would you stand with me?